Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hello, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I have not been back in our podcast chair in over a month. It's been so, so, so busy uh, in terms of all the things taking place at CEO School, which I am so excited to share with you shortly. But we haven't had an incredible two percenter, a podcast guest in quite a few weeks, and I'm so excited to introduce you to the CEO of The Healing Company. Her name is Annabelle Ullman, and you guys are all in for a treat for something so unique today. So every, you know, every few weeks we get to interview a founder that's made it past the million dollar mark, that is doing incredible things in their business. But today I get an opportunity to interview a founder who not only has built her company, but is on a mission to create one of the largest healing brands in the world. And she is doing this through acquisitions. And so this is a topic that we have not uh, gotten a chance to deep dive into at CEO School. But part of my journey when I was scaling stocks, there was this organic growth element, but we also acquired companies along the way. And so you are all in for a treat because not only is she just a brilliant CEO, she's a former supermodel and a just incredible human inside and out. We've just been chatting away before the show, and I'm just so excited to introduce Annabelle Ullman to the show today. Annabelle, welcome to CEO School. So excited to have you today, Annabelle. So tell us a little bit about your journey. I know you are the founder of the company and the director of the healing company. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Why did you start this company? How did it, you know, take place? Would love to hear the the starting story. Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so much for the lovely introduction. That was amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, how did I start? Um, as you mentioned in your intro, uh, uh, prior to founding the healing company, I was modeling for eight years. Um, I was—I always wanted to travel the world. That was the reason I did it. Um, I wanted to see the world, be independent. And so I went and I had an, uh, a really great career and I, I loved it. But at some point I was really facing an immense pressure to fit a certain aesthetics. Um, and I began to suffer deeply from stress-induced chronic migraines. Um, I got really anxious. I had depression at some point. Um, and I just felt like my life really wasn't sustainable. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I lost my period for over one and a half years. And I was like, okay, I got to take my health into my own hands because the way I'm living right now is just not, it's not sustainable at all. And uh, while I was living in uh, Australia, I found this uh, course called IIN, the Institute of Integrated Nutrition, where I got certified as a nutritionist. I did it online because I was traveling so much. It was really convenient for me. And just to learn more about like nutrition in general, but also 
what I learned there was a lot about like primary and secondary food. So how does not only the food that you take in, but the environment that you surround yourself with, the people that you spend time with, your job affect your overall health? Um, and that is really where I got much more aware of like what I was doing to myself. Um, and I moved to LA. Uh, at there, my friend, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to CBD uh, as a, a cure for my migraines. And I was really stigmatizing it as first. I was like, I don't want to deal with any drugs, like get it away from me. Um, but I started to learn more uh, about it. And I got so fascinated by the fact that this plant had so many incredible benefits that I didn't know of personally. Um, and I felt that there was such a lack of knowledge in that space as well. No one really knew. Um, that I really dig deep um, and I started my, uh, I went to Germany, started a medicinal cannabis company. I managed to get my anxiety and migraines under control with CBD. Um, and that is when I became really aware of like plant medication. So I went into like, look into Ayurvedic medicine, um, traditional Chinese medicine. I went to India to get my yoga um, certificate, yoga teacher certificate. Um, and that's again, where I learned a lot uh, about Ayurvedic medications and alternative ways of, of healing. Um, and then I started my direct-to-consumer brand, uh, Noyo, where it was purely CBD oil. And raising for that, um, I met one of our main shareholders um, and we started the healing company because we saw that the challenges that I was facing personally as a founder and doing it as a one-man show but having this powerful product and but limited resources to really compete in this fragmented market, um, I needed support. And we felt that there is such a big opportunity for so many founders out there that have the same issue um, and are going through these same, uh, same things um, that we could come in. And that's where the M&A strategy comes into place that you just mentioned is so acquiring these brands um, having them all under this umbrella called the healing company, where we find synergies in, within the brands so we can help them raise their impact, support their founders, their teams, um, and raise awareness around alternative uh, medicine. That's incredible. So you started out as you know a founder of a singular company and went on this journey and then decided that you're not the only one in this space that's kind of having the the struggles as a one man or a one woman show. How did you have the vision? Exactly. I know we were talking a little bit about your vision of like how you want to create the healing company. Where did that come about to say, I'm going to go acquire all of these brands under one umbrella. And I know recently you acquired one of Deepak Chopra's brands as well. And so I would love to kind of hear about how do you go be from, you know, have struggling in one company and then saying, you know what, forget it. I'm going to yeah. go take on like a thousand more and go uh, and go do this with all these other founders. So how do you all go in. from here all in to the top? I love it. Tell me, how did you get there? Yeah. So to be honest, I was really like, I was always really afraid to take the next step. Um, I think that was one of my biggest issues. I was always afraid to lean into fear. Um, but when I met one of our main shareholders and I was introduced to Simon Belsham, who is our uh, CEO and co-founder as well, they were so empowering um, and they really saw and they believed in my mission and vision that I felt like, okay, we are so much more powerful together in a community than we are individually. And if we really want to raise 
awareness and have an impact in the world, then we have to work together. And I think one of the, the statistics that came up that really shocked me at the beginning of, of founding the healing company was that the US is the only developed country where life expectancy has actually begun to decline, even though we, our spend on healthcare has continued to rise. And so I believe that 95%. Yeah. And 95% that we, we spend is right now is spend on treating sicknesses, even though 90% of these sicknesses are actually preventable by changing lifestyle factors. And when this came up, I was like, it is actually so imperative right now to change this paradigm from treatment to prevention. And we can only do that in a community. And by bringing everyone that has the same mission and vision together, so we have more power and we have a bigger impact and we can actually change something. And you cannot do that by yourself. That's just impossible. And so having this mission and vision and meeting the right people along the way um, on this journey, we were able to really like put this idea together and, 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 and start the healing company. Um, and one thing that, that Deepak told me very much at the beginning, he joined us as a chief medical advisor. And one thing that he told me at the beginning when I asked him that, I am always looking for my purpose in life. I, I told him, I'm like, Deepak, how do you I ever know that I'm on the right path? And he told me, you know if you're on the right path, if everything falls into place at the right time. And that's literally how the healing company happened. It is everything kind of happened at the time it had to happen. And it allowed me to really bring my vision and mission of creating such a company to life is because I met the right people along the way. And I couldn't have done it by myself. And I, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't think that anyone can really do something and have a really big impact by themselves. It's always the team in the background and the people that support them and, and, and really everyone that is sharing the same vision and mission. Oh, I love this so much. I've like, I want to deep dive into so many different pieces that you said. First, I couldn't agree with you more on building and cultivating that community. And, you know, our mission here at CEO School is to empower women to start and scale their businesses beyond the million dollar mark. I feel like you and I really resonate with like you found a statistic that you were like really cringe worthy on. Uh, you know, yeah. why is it there? That was exactly how I started CEO School. I was a CEO uh, running my company, but I learned the statistic that less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. And I'm like, why Why is it so, like the gap is so disparate uh, for men and for women. And so I became maniacally focused on that statistic and I couldn't really understand, you know, when you're like, I really wanna make a change here. Uh, and so I, I do believe that, like, I love what you said about that mission on like, you really want to change those statistics. And, you know, in America, I do believe that statistic, though, you know, that we are, mm -hmm. it, it's not shocking to me, and it's shocking to hear. And it's also not, I'm not surprised by it. Do you have any take on, you know, why do you think the stats are so bad in the US from a health decline, like a life expect expectancy rate? What are some things that through your research and things that you're seeing that you can kind of identify that creates like other countries around the world that have that don't have the GDP and the economic resources that we do are living much better lives, like holistically from a life expectancy rate. So if you can kind of compare that, I'd love to first, there's other things I want to deep dive into that, but I want to first ask you about that. 
Well, I think, I think we always come back right to the U.S. because U.S. is such a big country and it's so developed. And I think looking at the statistics in the U.S., you always get a good idea about like what's going wrong or what's going right. And I think that's why we refer a lot to the U.S. I think I wouldn't say that in, any, in other countries it might not be the same or might be similar or anything like that. But I think it's just, for me, it's just shocking that if you just look at the U.S. in general, like diabetes, obesity, like all of these things are just growing and rising and people are living unhealthier lives. And it's just, I think that the biggest issue really is like, A, the lack of education and really B, nutrient deficiency. And that comes about, and I think also easy way outs, right? I think people live in this, like in their comfort zone and they always want like this one, one solution that happens really, that, that solves everything really quickly. But that is just not existent. If you want to live a healthy life, you have to really change your lifestyle. And that means everything and not just like pop a pill and feel like everything is going to be good again, because yes, drugs might treat one symptom, but they're actually designed to just target a specific enzyme um, or receptor that is involved in a particular disease. And if we go back into like living a healthier lifestyle, that would mean having a, um, a more nutrient, nutrient dense whole foods diet, which means you would, you're actually taking in more micronutrients, which are, which interact with multiple, multiple enzymes and synergistically work uh, to, to build like these building blocks that are essential for any, every function, every biochemical physiological function in the body. And so it's really about like changing your lifestyle and working early on on preventing these issues and not just tackle them when they're there. I, I, and, I agree with that. I would say that when you, I think the word that stuck out for me mostly is lifestyle, right? And that's what I think I can agree with, with our hustle culture, with work culture. It, convenience is what, you know, because time we don't truly Americans are like our work culture also demands art. Like that's where our life is primarily spent is because of the way that we have our work culture set up. And so with that, that is also the reason that convenience becomes a priority because time then is a strap. And then you kind of get into all of these habits based on that. Whereas other cultures do not, they prioritize living life first and then work. The work, the work environments are much more different outside of the U.S. than they are in the U.S. work environment as well. So I do think that lifestyle is probably a huge component of it. I do agree with education and, um, you know, putting, you know, understanding that, you know, I think we, we do want that quick fix. But I do think that be, to, in order for us to have a life lifestyle change, that it's our lifestyle due to work environments is also a huge contributor in our, you know, in how we, you know, in our health, for sure. Yeah. For example, I, I went to visit um, one of the blue zones um, in Ikaria in Greece, and we kind of is went that. Can you tell us really what the blue zone is? I, I think I know. Is that where people live really, really long? Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly, exactly. There are like I think there are like four or five blue zones in the world, and that's where like people get over average, like they age over average, um, so their life expectancy is much higher. And um, so I went to speak with the elderly people there. Uh, to kind of understand, okay, why do they live 
so much longer than we do. And also they don't only live longer, but they live, they have like a healthy lifestyle towards the end. Um, and one thing we always say at the healing company, it's not about lifespan, it's about health span. And so why is their health span so much longer than ours? Um, and it's really that. like one thing that I you love just that said. measurement. That's such a beautiful way to, I, I do want to have a longer health span than I, I do a lifespan. I really like exactly. that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and one thing that really, um, really was clear to see was that these people, they were living in a community um, where they always had like a purpose. Um, there was like very little chronic stress or like barely any stress because like they timed their day as they needed to to fulfill their jobs or whatever it was necessary. But what's interesting is that I think in today's world, um, as soon as you get old, the younger generation kind of like puts you aside. It's like, oh, we don't want to hang out with these old guys. Like it's like it's even seen as something like negative. But in their culture, the older people, the elderly are the wise ones. So they're the ones that they learn from, that they listen to, that they ask questions to and um, that they get advice from. And so and, and they like they wake up every morning with a purpose. And if that is just going out into their garden and plucking like apples from the trees, then that's their purpose in life. And they do that every morning, but they never sit and they never like retire. And it was so cute. Like one, one older guy told me, he was like, so when you turn 70, there's no way you retire. When you turn 80, there's no way you retire. When you turn 90, you can think about retiring, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> and I was like, I love that. And he's not, he's not talking about retiring, like being working, like, 12, 18 hours a day. He talks about just like waking up and having something to do. And if that is just like taking care of your garden or if that is just taking your, your kids, uh, your grandchildren to school or something, but like having something that really like connects you still to your family and coming together with people, like being social, having meals together, um, not isolating yourself. These were like these things and it had nothing to do with like Practicing yoga and taking nutrient pills and whatever else. Like it's truly about having a yeah. like a a happy life, a joyful, fulfilled life. A joyful, exactly, exactly. And I think one of the things as well is that they still have this like local organic food system, right? They're on an island. Everyone grows their foods, uh, their vegetables, their fruits, and they're shared uh, with like their neighbors and whatever. But it's actually more about and, and, and that has shifted in, in like in the U.S. or everywhere in the, these modern worlds. There was a shift from local organic food systems to uh, industrial food systems. And that has really caused all of our food to be to have lack of nutrients, because through like as soon as you plug a plant out of the out of the soil, um, it loses nutrients immediately. And so if it then travels for and hours and days to get from one place to the other, as soon as you have taken that plant in and you have eaten it, your food is about like 40 to 50% depleted of nutrients. And so that is also one of the big issues, right? That today's world, the food 
it's just not as uh, as nutrient dense as it used to be. So just the power of community, right? We're talking about the power of community and it's so important, not just in terms of living a, a joyful life and having that sense of community around, that's super important. But even you touched upon this, you know, and building your company. So I'd love to kind of deep dive into building your company. And I love what Deepak Ch- uh, Chopra said specifically about everything's going to fall into place and you've got to, you know, you've got to trust that and that's the purpose. But I would love to get your, you know, take on, we've got a lot of, like founders here at every single stage of their company. And because of just how pandemic happened and all of these different things, like how do you cultivate these relationships uh, and find that network and find that tribe? So I'd love for it to get your tips, Annabelle, on how you're cultivating that community, because not only did you build this amazing community to start a company, you're also finding founders to work with as well. So we would love your tips. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I think Really that like one of my, my strengths is that I'm a very outgoing person. So I'm very social person. Um, I'm a, like, I feel like I'm connector. So I love like going out, speaking with people, getting to know people, learning from them. And so for me, um, it was just always about like prioritizing really high principles and values and I think that was really something that has has been driving me along the way Um, and really believing in my mission and vision. And I think because we live in like, we live in a world right now where we believe that there are always boundaries and limits um, because that's what our thoughts tell us. Um, But these thoughts are actually just like a collection of conditioned knowledge. And so that we, that we attain throughout our life through people and things that we learn. So I think it's so important to really have a vision and also to be open to being called a fool. Um, because I think it's so much about, like I said earlier, leaning into the fear and trusting in the process and being aware that everything that happens along the way is a learning. Um, and so I was just like, I really learned to be outgoing to meet a lot of people, to, um, to get to know people, um, and to connect. And I think then just along the way, these things literally, like I said, really fell into place. Um, and I think also, yeah, just being also being vulnerable about what you want. I love that you said that. I was I was waiting to add that there's one part I, I think that some I think that if you're naturally outgoing and you naturally have those tendencies, you can, you know, you kind of put yourself in the right rooms essentially or you're able to um, you know, you know, at least stand out or have those conversations. But I would say that the hardest part is honestly being vulnerable enough to share your mission and your vision. And I actually think that even for like the the introverted Um, listeners in the room or the introverted CEOs in the room, the introverted entrepreneurs in the room, you have to know that the power of network is everything. That is one of the reasons why the boys club has succeeded for as long as it, 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 it has. Yeah. And we as women, we need to be able to cultivate relationships. We need to be able to cultivate that network. And we have to start like getting comfortable, getting uncomfortable. So even if you are exactly. a founder 100%. who is, I'm, you know, very introverted and you want to be on your couch and that's the way there are still rooms like even digitally. I think what's so incredible 
in today's world is I have a network everywhere in the world. If I like, if I wanted to go to any different city, I could find people that to do business with, to meet up with. Like the power of the internet and the power of social media and the power of digital communities as well has just gotten to this next level. And it is so important for us to find ways, even if it's not naturally for us, like if you're like, I'm not the conference girl or I can't go to the, the happy hours or the meetups or whatever else it is, find a way still to cultivate that network even with the some of the barriers that you're kind of putting in front of you. But you have to start getting comfortable around sharing what your company does, talking about your mission, talking about that vision, asking for help, saying, hey, I need help here. Do you know anybody here? This is what I'm looking to do. That is how an, like a community actually forms, is for us to be able to be vulnerable enough, like Annabelle said, to ask for that help. And if we're not going to ask, no one's going to know what's going on in our heads or what we need. Exactly. And I think that's one of one of the big learnings as well. I think that a lot of people always think that entrepreneurs, they're able to do everything. That's not right. Like entrepreneurs, they are entrepreneurs because they're outgoing and they're not afraid to ask for help. And I think that is so important that as an entrepreneur, yes, you take the lead to start something, but it's so important to not be afraid to actually acknowledge what you're not good at and find the people that you can work with where both of like what you're good at complements each other. Um, and I think that is, that is really important. I love it. And, you know, for the last couple of minutes to wrap up, so you acquire Deepak Chopra's company and now you're on, like you've been acquiring companies. I would love to just high level share with the audience. How do you think about M&A? How do you think about what companies and products that you want to bring into the healing company? You know, how you're looking at these founders? What are the things that are going through your head in thinking about that? Because I do believe that, you know, there is one level of organic growth that you can have as your company, right? Organic growth means that you are naturally growing your own growth rates for your companies year over year. Those are organic growth rates. But when you pair it to say, I have something really special here, and if I can adjacently add a vertical, adjacently add a product, adjacently acquire a company, and you can acquire for different reasons, whether that be for technology, whether that be for the product, whether that be for the team, whether that be for the revenue, whether that be for the distribution. So M&A is this like beautiful, crazy world um, that, you know, is not, you know, is not usually talked about or explored. And so I think it's super badass, Annabelle, that you acquire companies. I had the privilege of acquiring three companies at Stacks. And my first book that I read, by the way, y'all are going to laugh at this, was M&A for Dummies. Swear to God. When I was like, my board was like, oh, we're going to do. I should have read that as no, well. No, it, it was okay. But it was good. It was like exactly the dummy version that I needed. So it was the first one. And my board was like, oh, we're going to be acquiring companies this next year. And I'm like, oh, shit, because I didn't go to CEO school, right? So, you know, your girl here is always showing up, like trying to figure out how to like learn on the fly. And my first book that I like, I literally downloaded on my Kindle for M&A was M&A for dummies. And just to show up for some of those meetings to be like, at least I wanted to, you know, know, like uh, pretend to know that some of the acronyms and some of the things. And so, (laughs) but I learned, right. And that's, what's really cool about being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, being a founder, leading companies is the fact that you get to show up for a different job every day. And that's why it's so flipping exciting. So I love that we're getting to talk about M&A. So Annabelle, how do you find these companies? What do you look for? Tell us about your vision for mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, sure. So I think one of the key things that we really do is obviously we have a team where um, 
we go through like every company that passes our like eyes, we, we look at. Um, and then as soon as we find a company that feel like that fits what is important to us, which means um, we want to identify high potential healing practices and products, that is really important. We want to have um, a company where we can actually come in and help um, uh, help them expand their reach and impact. Um, and then we want to help them through like storytelling, uh, through creating a credible narrative around what they're doing, uh, creating a conversation around their brand. And then also looking at, okay, does this brand from all the other brands that are in our portfolio already, how can that really have like a synergy with what we already have? So for example, our first acquisition was your super, which is a superfood uh, uh, mix company. Um, and then the second one was uh, Chopra Global, the well-being experiences. And so looking at, okay, how do... I love that you're like, I just acquired we, one, now I'm going to acquire Chopra Global. Super amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was like, really, that was like the dream acquisition. When, when, we, when we conceptualized the healing company, that was like my dream vision to one day have Chopra Global. And it happened much faster than we expected, but I'm really, really proud um, that, that this is part of the healing company now. And so for us, it's really important that, okay, when we find the brands, how are the products? Um, are they pure? Are they potent? Um, are they filled with efficacy? And then looking at the founders, their story. Um, can we, like, I think in storytelling, um, it's a lot about, like, how do images and words connect to you emotionally? And then we build, like, the story around them. Um, and then we look at the product side of it. So obviously right now, we are focused on supplements, but we want to create like this loop of habit formation. So how does our customer or the customers in general, how will we make them stick to a healthier lifestyle? And yes, supplements is one part of it, but in today's world, it's also data diagnostics and it's also content. And if you loop all of these things together, that's where you can create like this loop of habit formation where people actually stick to a new habit or healthier habit. And so acquiring your super, we have the supplement part of it, the nutrition part of it. And now with the Chopra, uh, with Chopra Global, who has an incredible app um, and who has reached over 100 million people in the last year and where Deepak himself um, has like over 20 million social followers, how can we now connect that, con like that content of the app with, for example, the superfoods. So make people like have a meditation, a morning meditation with their morning ritual super supplement. Um, and then obviously one, at one point we're aiming to get into and diagnostics as well. So for example, I'm wearing like my Garmin, which I love and I'm tracking everything, but um, having like, for example, the, um, the glucose levels monitor now where you can see, okay, how does these things affect my health and my glucose level, my blood sugar levels. Um, and so really like getting all of this together um, for people to actually, so they're able to actually validate the healthy lifestyle changes that they're making um, so they can actually stick to it and they have it black on white. Um, I love that it. That is what's really important. So what I hear 
Annabelle is saying, even if uh, regardless of the industry, right? It's so important for one, there's a product fit, right? So there's a diligence process to have the right product fit for your for your product. So they have standards of what type of product that they're looking for. And that goes even for tech. It doesn't matter what vertical it is. You will need to be the right product fit, right? So building quality products is important. And then two, what I loved is it is still about the founder and the story, right? And connecting that. And is there a brand potential here? This is one of our huge pillars at CEO School is the power of the pitch. Literally last month, we had so many episodes. We literally talked about your your storytelling ability. And it's so important for you as a founder to create that right. I mean, you do have an incredible story of why you've started this company, but connecting that emotionally to your customers is so important. And it goes back again, you check it off again on why the power of the story of the brand is so, so important. And so I love those those components of it. But the third thing, which also ties back into our pillars at CEO School, is when Annabelle's looking for companies, she's thinking about her customer lifetime value. You don't grow a massive company by having one singular product, right? You want to follow that customer's journey. So she's like, okay, I have the product and now I have the the day-to-day, um, you know, part of like the application and the meditations and whatever else. It is adjacent. It's an adjacent product, but it goes hand in hand and it's integrated together. Now she's literally gone ahead and she's thinking about two steps forward to say data integration is also the next level part of it. And although she may not be there in her company, that's her product roadmap that's taking place because she's already got the customer base, right? And we work so hard on acquiring customers that we believe that in order for us to grow, we have to keep on that uh, acquire new customers, acquire new customers, acquire new customers. No, 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 no. That's not how we just grow. We can also grow by adding products and services to our existing base to cultivate that lifetime value from our customer and extend our life journey with our customers. So I love that we get a moment of CEO school in here because those are some of our pillars at CEO school and some of the lessons that we teach for our entrepreneurs inside of our platform. And so if there are companies that are looking to be acquired, right? And they're like, I know I have a great product and it's great fit for XYZ larger company. What advice, like how do you, like how do those brands stand out for you? Are they coming to you? Are they pitching to you? So what advice do you have for founders that want to get acquired? Well, um, you can always reach out to us on our website. So healingcompany.com. We have uh, a contact form where if you want to like get in contact with us, you can always reach out to us. Uh, So that's probably the easiest way. Um, you can also always try and reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty bad on LinkedIn though, <laughs> but please do, uh, or to my our CEO, Simon Belsham, or to anyone else from the team, um, write us a quick introduction. But I'm talking about advice. Uh, I, I love, if you're a, if you're a supplement, if you are a company in the healthcare space, for sure, let's, Annabelle's company, healing company could be a potential acquisition, but I'm asking just advice overall for a founder who wants to get their company acquired. Do you have any tips to say, like, how do they get on the radar of these companies? You know what? Because it's really hard for me to tell right now because like every company that we have looked into a lot has come through contacts. Um, So they were introduced to us because someone knew someone. Network, exactly. Totally. So it's been always like... um, a conversation that happened that someone thought about they needed some help um, and then someone knew about us and they connected us. So it was a lot about network uh, lately. But obviously we go out a lot. We see like, I love we it. what is on the market um, and we source a lot ourselves as well. But a lot is about network. 
you're not getting acquired by sitting in on your couch. No. That's not how you're exactly. getting acquired. You're getting acquired by being in the room. You're getting acquired by putting yourself out there, by showing up for the conference, by yeah. showing up for the community, by adding yourself to the right networks and the right community so that people are aware of your products and services. It's not just your customers. I think as CEOs, sometimes we're so focused on just customer acquisition is a huge part of it. But that network around us as CEOs, as founders, as entrepreneurs, uh, as leaders is so impactful for the actual growth of our company. Annabelle, I didn't even know this conversation was going to go there so much about community. We're so excited for you at The Healing Company. I think what you've done is just so incredible, so visionary. I hope that you guys become the largest um you know, a company that supplies products and services for the world for us to live longer, healthier lives. So we're super behind your mission and your vision. And I know this is just the first of many um, things for us to do together at CEO School. We wish you so much, so much success. We will be linking all uh, about the healing company in the show notes. If you want to check out Annabelle, you'll find her on Instagram. Thank you so much. Bye, Annabelle. We'll see you guys next week at CEO School. But before you head out, I do want to just on this thread that Annabelle was talking about on the power of community. I do got to give us a plug here. We just opened up doors to the CEO Collective, which is our community, our network of CEOs and female founders across the globe. And this is the community that you need to create those networks, to create that collaboration, to create those partnerships that are going to live beyond just your company and that one thing that you do every day. And so come join us inside the CEO Collective. Doors are open. And even just at the the entry level into the community, it's so accessible. It's $50 a month to come in and to join the community. And then you could scale up for all the things. You can choose your own adventure as a CEO for, you know, how much interaction you want, what type of masterclasses are you looking for, what type of growth do you need, what type of mentorship support, the cohorts, all the things are available inside of our single platform. It is the number one platform for female entrepreneurs in the globe today. And we are so excited to open up doors and to welcome each and every single one of you inside of the CEO collective. So come check it out. It's also linked to the, into the show notes. And I'll be sharing a little bit of behind the scenes of this last launch and the masterclasses that we've been running um, on the power of scale and getting beyond that 2% club and how we're doing it inside of the CEO Collective. So I can't wait for you guys to all tune in and take a look, but come check us out at theceoschool.co and hit programming and you'll see all details on the collective. I can't wait to welcome you inside of that network. We'll see you next week at CEO School. Bye everyone. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.